365 days, we've seen 1,523 pitches. So we've talked to 1,523 companies and entrepreneurs to see how they're building something within the cannabis space. There's no meeting that we don't take, and I believe in every meeting, whether it's one of the best deals or one of the worst deals that you've ever heard of, you're learning something about how that individual and that entrepreneur is seeing the industry play out. From MJ Bulls Media, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today in Raising Cannabis Capital, we are continuing this month's Cannabis Investor Spotlight Series with Narby Alexandrian from Canopy Rivers. Narby, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Really excited. So I'm excited to have Canopy Rivers on this show because if there's one company that gets a lot of press, it's, it's yours, that's for sure. You are unique on so many levels. And I think one of the number one reasons is your strategic partners with the Canopy Growth Corporation. And for those of our listeners who are new to the industry, Canopy Growth, I think it's the largest cannabis company in the world. You're based in Canada. It's a multi-billion dollar company publicly traded. It's like the first 800-pound gorilla in the cannabis industry. <laughs> well, let's start here. Can you explain yeah, how, so, how, how the partnership works and the advantages to being part of the Canopy ecosystem? Absolutely. Canopy Rivers was created back in April 2017. At the time, Canopy Growth looked a lot different than it does now. The market cap was only a billion and a half. They had $100 million of cash on the balance sheet, and the company was looking to make acquisitions within the space. Some of the operators they were speaking to all across Canada were open to being acquired. Others were waiting to ride the wave of legalization. If you think about it, back in April 2017, players in the industry and the participants in the industry were expecting Canadian legalization to take place a year from that standpoint. So you imagine how Canopy Growth was looking to uh, inorganically acquire companies in order to grow much faster. Yeah. And one of the, the sayings that Bruce always said was uh, owning the gas station on both sides of the street corner, they really own the traffic that goes through it. If this is indeed going to become a $100 billion, $500 billion industry someday globally, there's going to be multiple operators, business models, strategies that really do succeed across recreational, cultivation, extraction, all the way to brands and, and, and medical as well. And that's how Canopy Rivers is born. We are the venture capital affiliate of Canopy Growth. We are their venture capital arm, and our task is to put in capital to get minority investments within the next generation of cannabis companies in the space. So up to this point, we've invested into 17 portfolio companies, and we have a wide variety of positions and companies that do everything from production, extraction, formulation, creating brands, creating technologies, bit and piece of most of the value chain across that area. Our, our general thesis is that we believe that the current landscape of cannabis companies doesn't make sense. Many of them are forced to be vertically integrated by regulatory bodies. So what vertical integration means is that they have to do everything from seed to sale, to everything from planting the plant to extracting it to building a brand, building a medical company, all the way to the very end of owning the, the dispensary and, and servicing the customer. To us, this doesn't lend well because... First off, capital is very hard to come by, especially when it's not federally legal in the U.S. But secondly, human capital, as in the talent, is hard to come by as well with what the stigma exists. So our, our thesis is what if we could find companies that really focus on 
one to two, three things. They do it very well. And we can leverage Canopy Growth name, the infrastructure there, as well as the infrastructure created by Canopy Rivers to really create an ecosystem where companies really need to focus on what they do very well and specialize at it. And then we take care of the inputs and outputs beyond that. Even though you're in Canada and you have this huge first mover advantage, you still have to think about as legalization spreads throughout the world, you're not always going to have the advantage because U.S. is like nine times bigger than Canada. Correct. I'm assuming that probably drives some of your decisions to seek out some best-in-class companies in other countries. Yes. Over the last 365 days, we've seen 1,523 pitches. So we've talked (laughs) to 1,523 companies and entrepreneurs to see how they're building something within the cannabis space. There's no meeting that we don't take. And I believe in every meeting, whether it's one of the best deals or one of the worst deals that you've ever heard of, you're learning something about how that individual and that entrepreneur is seeing the industry play out. We we have a lot of data and findings that we've gathered from there. And we believe that every country follows five distinct ways of growth. The first one is always starts off with cultivation. You see this a lot with Europe right now. You saw this a lot with the US a year ago, Canada two years ago, where if you're one of the first license holders in the space for cultivation, you can really get a first mover advantage on that certain geography build the business off of it, and really dictate how the market plays out within that geography. Over time, if you're license number 200, you're not worth as much as license number four. So that, that kind of plays out. The second wave is the ancillary industry. So the nuts and bolts of really what pushes a, a plant into becoming a consumer packaged goods, whether that be extraction technologies or formulation and all the way to technology and media plays that really bolster brand and create a customer loyalty around it. The ancillary industry is about three times the size of cultivation. And this is where we're at right now, trying to understand what what are the nuts and bolts that really move it. The next stage, which we're really walking into, and this really comes into play within the U.S., particularly on the West Coast, are brands. We see brands coming about that we follow all the time that are, are really producing both market share as well as mind share. So trying to control the eyeballs of customers. On the side, we do surveys with customers to see what are the top five brands that you looked at to try to understand who's going to become the Guinness or the Corona. Way forward, you medical, which we're not there yet. What I'm trying to get to add, every geography goes at different speed. And if we're looking into Europe, we're looking at cultivation. If we're looking to the U.S., we're looking at ancillary and brands. If we're looking to Canada, we're looking at brands and even the medical R&D that's being done. That's a great approach, and I haven't heard it broken down like that before. I appreciate you taking the time to explain that to us. One thing that jumped out at me, you said you looked at over 1,500 pitch decks. It kind of breaks the stereotype that sometimes you guys get labeled with is that you only look at big deals. Clearly, you're looking at all deals. I think that's refreshing. I'm going to jump ahead here, but I suspect that that gives your existing portfolio companies a huge advantage because you can give them some insight and maybe even direct them toward an opportunity for an acquisition. So from that standpoint, I think part of that is definitely true. We do give a lot of insight to our portfolio companies. However, we do tightly guard the, the information that we do get from entrepreneurs. So one of the last things I'd ever want to do to an entrepreneur that's pitching to us is give away their secret sauce to a portfolio company. I, I just don't think that would be fair and, and reputationally that wouldn't be great for us. So instead what we do is we, we t- tend to aggregate information across multiple players in the industry and provide our portfolio companies with 
an understanding of what's happening externally within their industry. If one of your portfolio companies came to you and said, you know what, we're in the process of acquiring this company, do you sometimes get involved in those sort of secondary acquisitions where you're involved, but it's, it's through one of your portfolio companies? Absolutely. And, and typically, like every time that, that has happened, it typically seen the company before they've actually approached us saying that they're interested in the company. So we provide some tidbits on what we liked and what we disliked about them. I always joke around and say if we had $4 billion ourselves, we could do a lot of damage. You think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, cash is cash. And we like to provide an advantage to our portfolio. We always believe, and this is from the get-go of, of Canada River, is that you need to be more than just capital. You need to be capital plus. And it's the value-added services we provide our portfolio companies, which makes them come back to us week after week with status updates and understanding of what they're doing. And, and it's really created a very strong ecosystem effect in the office. Well, I think it's a huge advantage. I'm sure your portfolio companies benefit from having your horsepower in, the, in their ecosystem. We talk on the show a lot about why it's becoming so hard for casual investors to invest in the cannabis industry. But another thing that's unique about Canopy Rivers is that you're a publicly traded company. You're trading on the TSX under symbol RIV, and you're on the OTC under symbol CNPOF. What are some of the other advantages to investing with Canopy Rivers? Typically, in the venture world, you are a private company, and the investors in a, in a private venture fund have to be accredited investors. So that really limits the amount of participants who can actually get to see private deals and participate in them. Canopy Rivers is a, is a different structure where we're a venture capital company that, that's on the stock exchange, which really allows just about any retail investor that doesn't have $5 million of net asset value or a million dollars of cash flow coming in to really invest in the next generation of cannabis companies in the space. So it provides the retail investor with access to deals before they go into the public realm and they get priced at what they're priced at. So it's as if you are investing in a group of individuals who see what the future holds within the cannabis space and are making smart bets. And I like to compare it relatively to an ETF, but the difference between ETF is it's public companies that are already fully priced in versus what we invest in our private companies who have yet to be seen by the public at that point in time. When you say have yet to be seen, most of the deals that you get will never get seen by majority of the people because a lot of these companies will go to you first and you'll be like, we're going to do this deal. No one else gets a shot at it. And the last people that are seeing it are just a casual investor. So I think it's a great advantage. Well, we've been speaking with Narby from Canopy River, and we have all of his contact information on the MJ Bulls website, including his stock symbols, which let me say it one more time, is TSX, it's, it's symbol R-I-V, and the OTC is symbol C-N-P-O-F. We'll have all that on the MJ Bulls website. Narby, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Really excited to chat with you today. Good luck with this. Keep us posted. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season 1 of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. 
Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.